Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhart, the official social media correspondent for SPI 2019. <laughs> Congratulations, Jay. So happy for you. <laughs> Congratulations, Josh. And we're Yay. here. We also have uh, Brian Thomas here, independent owner-manager of Fairwinds Wealth Management. Gentlemen, good to be here. <laughs> nice to have you, Brian. Thanks for jumping in again. Really getting excited to have you know this kind of constant conversation about the financial world as it relates to renewable energies. I think that's a really good area for us to focus on. Brian's helping us out with that, so it's awesome to have you again. Thank you. Um, we're going to jump into a really cool show today, Jay. Episode 123, I said it. I gave you the number. Deal with it. Uh, this is Gary Dolberg of Perfectly Clear. Uh, and it's an Enduro Shield is the company, I guess that's the technology behind it. It's really interesting. We're talking about coatings on solar panels, basically. This is something we really haven't touched on at all. Um, there's this longevity conversation. You want to have your solar functioning and functioning at mass, maximum uh, generative capacity for its entire lifespan, which can be multi-decades. I mean, the warranties are, are, are 10 years plus, but... Um, you can get 20, 30 years out of these things if you if you take care of them. And we've talked a little bit about washing them. In fact, we've heard everything from from getting out there with little robots to to just turn on the fire hose. <laughs> but this is but this is but this is a little different, where you actually have a coating for them that will help um, mitigate um, soil and and build up on the panel, which effectively makes it generate more better over its lifetime. So. Is, yeah. it, is it real? Let's find yeah. out. <laughs> Let's find out. Let's find out. I have talked to people over the years with this, Jay. You know, I was just telling you, mm -hmm. I ran into some researchers, I mean, five or six years ago that were working on different coatings. And they, you know, big time, like, uh, you know, PhD chemist kind of guys that were coming up with ideas. But this is something that's commercially uh, viable. It's out there. It's in other markets and it's being applied to the solar uh, panel uh, or solar industry and on solar panels, as I understand it. But we'll hear all the details from Gary shortly. And uh, that should be really fun because I don't know how it's possible. We haven't dealt with that yet. <laughs> so, yeah, right. right. Let's jump over to our housekeeping. What do you say, Jay? Let's do this. All righty, folks. This is the Solar Coaster. We are a renewable energy themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Can be found Fridays at 105 p.m. Uncle Oi, 1110 a.m. Also, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry www.solar-coaster.com is where you can listen live, stream all our old shows. You can now see our nice flashy new logo, which is very high tech and, and says a little bit more about <laughs> the logo. geeky stuff that we do uh, is all over. I can no longer say the little yellow SC logo, oh, no. um, but we're <laughs> but it but it's up there. Uh, you'll you'll learn to recognize us again. And of course, if you're already subscribed to any of the channels, you're, you're, you'll find us easy because uh, none of that's actually changed. iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn also all carry the solar coaster you look for that little little circle uh sc waveform logo and uh you'll you'll be able to take us everywhere you go there you go got some great sponsors sundrum solar pantech design lg chem looking forward to connecting in with these fellas uh ladies as well at spi uh learning about some of their announcements and new things they're doing i know lg chem and lge are working together more Josh. closely right <laughs> no, over, no it's, not, it's not embargoed or anything like that pantech okay. is at acedia okay. or one of the big trade shows just before spi uh and then of course sundrum's doing a lot of cool stuff i think sundrum and thermal is really going to take off so hey folks this is a call-in show 808-242-7800 it's the call-in line if you'd like to uh get a question in leave it for us on our uh i suppose we got an answering machine there somewhere and then uh, we'll we'll uh, get to it uh let's jump <laughs> over to our pantech design minute welcome to the pantech design minute today's topic smart hvac controls one of the largest consumers of electricity in the average home is air conditioning how to use your climate control systems in the most efficient way though is not always obvious. When no one is home, the normal thing to do is to turn off the air conditioning. But heat is energy and cooling is just taking away that energy. That's what an air conditioner really does. It just moves the heat out of your home. If you turn off the AC during the day, your house gets hot. And when you come home from work, your air conditioning needs to work extra hard to move all that energy back outside again. For most folks, this is unfortunately when the sun is just going down and you won't be producing any more energy from your solar system. So your AC will either drain your home battery or you'll need to buy power from the grid in order to run that AC at that time of day. Your solar system has charged your home battery already after a few hours of sunshine, but after completing the charge, it either exports at a reduced rate or in the case of a CSS system, just shuts off because there's nowhere to put the energy. So knowing all this, what can we do? What if there was a system that knew when your battery was full and could automatically use your excess solar energy for something useful? Pantech's Adapt system can do just that. 
Adapt will intelligently monitor your energy production, weather reports in your area, and the health of your home battery, and make the appropriate choices automatically so you don't have to. Your electric bill goes down, and your house is already cool when you get home. This has been the Pantech Design Minute. Pantech Design is an awesome company, and they're just amazing people. I really appreciate them on so many levels. Troy Morgan, uh, of course, Megan uh, as well, and just a, a team of people that are real problem you got, solvers. You got a little something on your nose, Josh. <laughs> what are you talking <laughs> This guy. Well, oh, serious, no. serious, seriously, though, that, that air conditioner conversation is the – it can be a game changer for folks. Um, the utility is talking right now about um, giving people a reduced rate for um, EV charging during the day when solar's running. If you run your air conditioner during the day when the solar's running, I mean, it's it's – cheaper and or free energy that would be lost otherwise and it just makes sense to run it that way if if we can kind of change our lifestyle and and um the the adapt system will will help you do that kind of automatically so you don't have to think about it there you go and that, that's never happened before and we have uh, some announcements coming in from spi so we'll probably do a show with them or at least 30 minutes and get a handle on the new uh you know advancements that they've been making so looking forward version to two yeah. yeah okay <laughs> great news and events time jack Absolutely. Um, so we've talked a lot about electric air, electrification of air transport recently. I mean, we, we all talked about electric vehicles for a long time, and now we're talking about airplanes, air travel. They're all still very small aircraft, uh, the, the local regional things. But a new company, Zero Avia, kind of just popped up, and they are have that it's kind of unique they have a reasonably mid-sized plane 10 to 20 passengers mm. um and and will be uh, up to 500 miles which is longer than uh any of the 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 battery powered electrics and that's and the reason why this is is because they're using hydrogen right um and just burning on, hydrogen. thoughts on hydrogen <laughs> Boom. No. <laughs> no, this, this is wrong. Okay, this, this is the wrong thought. Um, yes, we did have a, a, a gas, a hydrogen, oh, I can't say gas station. What, what do you want to call these things? <laughs> a hydrogen refueling station. Mm -hmm. It seems entirely too long. Um, accident in, in um, northern Europe uh, at one point. It actually caused a halt of some of the Toshiba, uh, not Toshiba, uh, Toyota, um, hydrogen-powered vehicles in the kind of, just kind of a pause in, in sales of those vehicles. Um, but talking about using hydrogen for aircraft actually really makes a lot of sense. I and mean, this is an industry that has massive amounts of oversight, massive, massive amounts of security, uh, regulations and processes up the proverbial wazoo, <laughs> I suppose. Um, but but it, it just makes sense that they'd be able to leverage this. And you're already starting to see so many airports with because they have so much land around them, mm. um, it's putting up extra solar farms. So they can literally take that solar, turn it into hydrogen, and then put it in the aircraft. And I think this makes a lot of sense. But the coolest thing is that they're they're taking that that hydrogen and using it in in on the aircraft gets them a much better range than the battery alone. Well, this is systems. what's this is kind of how it fits into the conversation in, in my view. You have these all electric um, airplanes that are coming out, like the uh, by E Fly or the two seater and the four seater, and that's got a certain amount of range and a certain capability and a certain use case. And then you have these hybrids like the Ampere, where they're uh, retrofitting the three three seven. Two shows that we've done so far, and then now we've got something that's uh, even further range, just like you were saying, bigger payload, further range, and it's a full hydrogen, uh, basically changing out the 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 engine or i suppose the overall fuel system for hydrogen now i have a question it's, it's maybe it's a silly question but how do you transport hydrogen and how is it stored and is it light there are well if it not really um <laughs> there are two ways you can do it one is just compressed and one is liquefied so you right. see a liquefied hydrogen liquefied hydrogen takes a lot more uh equipment mm. to both pressurize and 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 manufacture and then um, storage equipment on the vehicle needs to be um, also beef, beefed up to, to contain that. Uh, but they have been making tanks out of out of um, carbon fiber materials, uh, carbon capture. Hooray for that! Uh, <laughs> but um, it, it does does it does take more. And of course, it's it's heavy. Once you liquefy it, it's it's. It, imagine carrying around big tanks of water. I think Brian wants <laughs> to jump in. Well, it, and you know just to. Uh, bring back the George By conversation when you guys had about the electric aircraft. Like those are going to probably be concurrent developments. In other words, the hydrogen is maybe longer range, and then George has the trainer aircraft. And mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what was interesting about that, as I looked into that more, 
Siemens is developing the engine technology. So right. it's not like George himself is doing the engine technology. Mm -hmm. And there's other airlines that are doing it. So to have a huge partner like Siemens coming out doing that, it's like General Electric with aircraft engines. I mean, you know, Boeing doesn't develop the engines. Right. They outsource that stuff. So and, that, and that's going on in the in the electric aircraft industry, too. It kind of says that this is a serious shift in technology, right? And, 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 and they've been at it for a little while, actually. Right, so. right. Very yep. cool. Well, yeah. I'm Rolls, Rolls, Rolls Royce is Rolls Royce is doing it as well. So, which is another huge name in aircraft engines. Very good. Let's keep going, guys. I want to jump into uh, national uh, news and I'll talk a little bit here, very briefly, Jason, if we may, uh, about Energy Toolbase. Now, we were actually mm -hmm. scheduled to have Matt Chimo from Energy Toolbase on today, uh, but we had a scheduling conflict, and that was resolved yesterday. We're going to be doing the show in the upcoming week. Uh, and interestingly enough, this morning, I think my uh, my spidey senses were tingling because. Payson Power acquired Energy Toolbase uh, yesterday, I believe. Yes. <laughs> so yep. everything is centered here in the solar coaster, at least I believe that. So uh, this is interesting. I, I did text Matt and I asked him a little bit and he was laughing and he said, yeah, this is pretty big, brother. So he's excited to sit down and talk with us. He's getting all the information together. We're going to hear the inside scoop uh, to, the, the, to the pulse, straight to the second of when it's happening. Uh, we should be able to hear that from from Matt uh, probably next Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, very cool stuff. Um, but this is just, I, I, as I saw this, I know Pace and Power don't know too much about these guys, um, other than it's almost like a string of uh, M&A action in this industry. We've got Royal Dutch Cell buying Sonin. We've got Generac buying Pika. We've got um, Pace and Power buying Energy Toolbase. And can I just say that all those guys have been on our show a number of times. We're very close with those fellas because they're awesome. So, so. Uh, trivia question. Since 2002 to 17, how many deals have oh, big oil <laughs> like big oil sees the value of it right and and they don't want to be left behind and they have okay. money to invest so in how, total all big oil yeah yeah well uh big oil but how many deals do you think they've done since 02 02 to 17. oh geez um i'm gonna say in the dozens 109. Whoa! And that's yeah, more than that. Yeah, that was a, that's according to the Solstice, Solstice site. Yeah, And yeah. that's since 2017, and they've done more accelerated that, that development in wow. the last couple of years. Wow, that's an awesome piece of info. Thank you for that. That is really, really cool. Jay, anything to add here, buddy? Um, well, I did look. I, I also wasn't familiar with Payson Power. I kind of wanted to figure out who they are. They're actually um, uh, wholly owned under Payson Systems. It's a Canadian-based company, and they own a lot of stuff across the entire it's it's north america in its entirety but a lot of canadian um upwards of 65 percent of oil um drilling rigs across north america have oh. uh, payson systems equipment on board and the the payson power section here which is uh, owned a majority share of energy tool base and now acquired them um it actually has a whole suite of systems for controlling your uh, your your energy system your energy grid if you if you are a grid operator so you know, so they're they're massive they're massively integrated <laughs> So they're, they're, they already have software in place that's a grid operator control software. Is that what you just said? Correct. I correct. see. I see. This they, they starts to make a little sense. You know, so it, it's it's Energy Toolbase is a very interesting design modeling software that we've used over the years and spoke to these fellows a couple of different times on air. Uh, basically, what you can do is it, it, they've always kind of been at the forefront, even like battery modeling for and re showing return Which on nobody, investment. Yeah, nobody knew what to nobody do. Nobody knew how to do it. Toolbase came out early with it, and we were like, whoa, that's that's like a, a you know a, an effective model of these kind of kind of wonky spreadsheets that we were all chucking around the world trying yeah. to figure out how to make why, it work and right? why you need to explain why you would want that and the the issue is basically to show you how long it's going to take for you to recoup your investment and then what kind of, yeah. of profit revenue you can expect out of it so that's that's what they specialize in yeah. is giving you a, a consolidated report that tells you if i buy this many panels and this many batteries how long is it going to take me to pay off how much energy i can I generate and they had reams of data for how much sun you'd get in a particular location and how much that would yeah. cost to install it in a particular location and what stuff. kind of rack pretty good and stuff you, yeah. you would put it all you put all in and it just chucks out a number it says okay it's your your brian, brian's brian's thinking about something now. What, what do you think about brian <laughs> what, so is that standardized across the industry you mean um are they those are those metrics kind of accepted yeah like mean? in other words in other words if, if you've got two competitors but they're using their own software to model. Mm -hmm. They're going to make it skew to their side. But if well, if it's used across the industry, then that's they're independent. 
Okay, okay. So you've got, they're independent yeah, of they're technology. Not, they're not actually the equipment That's right. Sure. Um, but there are other modeling systems like Solar Nexus, for example, and Energy Toolbase mm -hmm. do similar things. They were both kind of pushing the limits in, in having the capability to interpret battery data in self-supply kind of functionalities. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, I, but Energy Toolbase did say, hey, it's from, it was a pretty sweet tool pretty early on, and we were super jazzed about it. So I'm not surprised, and it's not easy to do. Yeah, you know, and, it's and, like, and it's not coming from the manufacturer. Like, in other words. No, but data comes, like, they'll take a spec sheet on yeah. a battery gotcha. and, it, and then they'll take whatever those those specs are okay mm -hmm. this is your lifespan this is your degradation this is your power this is and they'll have all those inputs warranty. go into it warranty there's so many variables throughput. yeah it's really deep and, mm -hmm. and it and it's really even at the edge of that when we saw it last i was going it's getting close but you know it's hard for it to be there not just specific to them for the other you know groups that were doing it as well so very mm -hmm. cool we're going to hear the whole story about pace and power uh formerly known as energy tool base i wonder if they'll keep the name <laughs> probably maybe they will and uh as short so we've got a couple more minutes. We do have to jump into Hawaii. Jay, you want to pick a couple of these Hawaii ones? Um, residential solar is plus storage is taking over Hawaii's grid. This is the Sunrun Brightbox story. Oh yeah. Um, recently, we saw the um, RFP come down from the round the phase two from from um, the PUC and and what uh, Hiko companies <laughs> collectively. I'm still getting there used you go, to Hico how companies. they want to call it. Yeah, how they want to call themselves. Um, there's a, there's a lovely sentence in the in this PV magazine article. It says in, in March of this year, the OATI and HECO, H-E-C-O, signed a GSPA and submitted to PUC. <laughs> there's so many acronyms in this in this one sentence. We have to figure out who all these people are. Um, but uh, but O. OATI is actually called is Open Access Technology International. This is a company that um, supplies. Um, uh, information and and um got this is a that. scheduling coordinator for also, mainland grid scheduling markets. coordinator right yeah um for that obviously the ps the puc we know who they are hico is is the utility a, a gspa is a grid services purchase agreement and when i read that that was the, the oh it's on now because the grid services are the things we've been talking about previously demand response uh frequency stabilization and all these cool things you can do once you have a, a massive distributed um system of of home of home batteries like what we saw in europe um there are still very few of these types of installations across the United States. I think you can count them on one hand right now. Uh, there were a couple more recent ones. They just struck a deal with uh, the folks in Massachusetts for a 20 um, megawatt installation. There was another one, I don't remember where it was um, recently, but we're, we fall squarely. This is this is for Oahu, by the way. So let's, talk, um, let's, but, let's, let's think about this from the perspective of the client. I think what's interesting here is that you have this grid services uh, discussion, you have Sunrun kind of joining this this technical, uh, this has partnership to be able to provide this service to the utility. But what happens to the, the people, like the actual homes that have that? And what is the technology? Is it LG Chem? We're talking about Brightbox, and I think LG there Chem is, is, a, the, there is, a picture is the dominant of, of tech, LG. right? Yeah. Yeah, and LG Chem is a sponsor and full disclosure uh, of the solar coaster. And it, what's interesting down here, this is a bright box, you know, the type of technology. It looks like they're going to be able to, they have some some dollar figures here. I, this is what interests people, right? Of course, Jay, you have mm -hmm. the ability to save some extra money. So participating customers will be able to reduce their $25 per month minimum bill uh, charged. And then what else is there? There's a $125 to $150 per year um bonus for subscribing to the programming and making your battery available to the well, utility it, for for emergency use and grid services use um honestly that number seems a little low to me well if you think of it let's say they were able and to that's, just and that's, that's that's kind of the conversation is is how valuable are these grid services we really don't know i was i was uh, under the impression from our conversations with Sonnen in Europe that they're extremely valuable. Some of these people don't pay for any electricity at all, and they don't even have any solar on their I think house. the Europeans are a little more forthcoming with that information. <laughs> <laughs> for, for sure, for sure. But I mean, is it, is it, is it for more forthcoming because they just don't care to hide it? Or does the value really not translate? Now, so from That's the layman, the is, is, is that where the utility says, okay, we want to be able to control the grid a little bit and, and 
call on this power on demand when we need it? Yeah, yeah. Basically, you've got a solar system, you've got yeah. a battery, and, and, and then the, then this the utility it, allows the wants to have access to those assets to sure. be able to create. Uh, there's something called value stacking, right? So there's different types of values yeah. that that can provide to the grid, right? So and this is set up by contracts, and and Sunrun went about setting up this contract in partnership with this. Uh, OATI, and I think I've met some of these fellows poking around Maui before too. So it'll be interesting to shake that tree a little bit, see what we can come out with. Jay, I bet you we can get them on air, and then really learn about Absolutely. you know where this is at and how they're and how they're quanti how they're quantifying it, valuing it. That'll be really interesting. Mm -hmm. I think we got maybe another minute yeah. or so if you want to jump on one more, and then we got to jump over to our guest. Uh, to All right. Our well, there's one um, civil beat article that I want to touch on. This is and the, the title is a little inflammatory, of course. Um, will Hawaii Electric customers ever? save any money with renewable energy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Bots. <laughs> um, right now, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult to say. They're, they're, they're in the throes of this massive overhaul of the way the PUC rewards utility performance. Uh, it, traditionally, it's been uh, the utility has to invest money in infrastructure and generation. So they make power plants, they make lines, they connect us all together to their grid, and they generate the big power plants, and then they, they feed us power, and they set a rate for it, and they're allowed to make a percentage worth of profit. The world has changed already, and we're kind of trying to, we're playing catch up in this in this way. Um, the PUC is now trying to negotiate a rewards for uh, performance model. So instead of the utility being able to make a profit over how much money they invested in infrastructure key, over yeah. the year, they would be rewarded for um, making 50% renewable energy by a certain year or whatever, whatever, whatever the, we set the rewards to be. Um, keeping the grid actually stable would be nice. <laughs> um, those types of things. Um, realistically, I don't see, I mean, even even as it sits now, even if we got this plan, and right now the, the, the proposal from the PUC was 100 pages, the counterproposal from the utility was 180 pages long. These are not small documents for this, for this agreement, um, and it's really, really hard to sift through. But even if we went out there today and passed one of these, these agreements, I really don't think we would see prices coming down until we get almost all the, the the fossil fuels off the grid and so that's the, still that's still 20 years out there's a couple of uh there's a couple of little metaphors here that i that i thought were useful right it says in hawaii mm -hmm. this is the ulapono initiative uh murray clay speaking in hawaii state law requires the utilities to face penalties if they do not don't meet deadlines for adopting renewables but there's no positive incentive said murray clay president of ulapono initiative clay likened the situation to having a landscaper who gets paid for trimming hedges but not cutting grass naturally the grass could get overgrown since there's not much incentive to cut it but it's not the land landscaper's fault, he said. It's your fault for paying for only trimming the hedge. So, you know, he's talking about putting up the, the correct incentives to make sure this thing gets done and make sure people end up, uh, you know, get, we get our renewables, we start saving some money. But we have, yep. we, it, it remains to be seen. Uh, the answer to this Honolulu, this is Honolulu Civil Beat. This was put out on 9, what is this, 9, uh, just the other day, right? Like 9, uh, yep. September 10th, yeah. 2019. Um, to answer this question, though, one of the things that we did here recently on one of our shows uh, with, uh, it was with Doug McLeod, actually, and he said that that uh, the RFPs, they, are, they have no accelerators and, uh, uh, you know, and no increasing costs of energy over the, the terms. And they should, if you believe that the cost of oil will continue to increase, they should provide savings and that should guarantee savings, I think was pretty much well, the Well, it's already, it's already guaranteeing savings because we're well under. I mean, we, we pay 33% on Oahu, 36% on Maui, as far as I know. Um, and, and, it's, and it's a lot. That's well above the national average of 13 cents. And the reason why is because we have to pay for for that for that oil to come in and the cost of of labor and materials to to make the grid function here very good it's it's not an it's it's not an easy job no but it, <laughs> but these but these new rfps are all coming in at sub 10 cents under 10 cents so so if we if the utility can buy the power not have to build any there, there's no capital outlay for them it's it's they're buying the power from a third party 
There you go. We'll leave it on that note. So we're going to go to our commercial <laughs> break, and we'll come right back with Gary Dolberg of Perfectly Clear to learn all about solar panel coatings. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels, as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Rezu battery. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system combined photovoltaic and thermal holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Okay, those were our wonderful uh, sponsors. Thanks so much to you guys for keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. We are here with uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Gary Dolberg of Perfectly Clear. Gary, can you hear us okay? I can indeed. Aloha. Aloha. Welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. We have Brian Thomas is in the room. Jason's uh, virtual present virtual present device. What do I call that? <laughs> virtual virtually bringing him in i don't know there's a creative term there but we're I'm excited <laughs> we're excited to uh, speak with you gary thanks for taking the time out of your schedule to chat with us uh you know you've got a, a really interesting product here and jay and i were just kind of uh joking about it saying how, how on earth haven't we handled coatings in the last two and a half almost three years yet so we're excited to uh to talk a little bit about your your, your product area and from an advertising standpoint i'm kind of glad you haven't uh, let me be the first. There you go. Um, I, I think that would help a lot. Um, so a little background. Originally, Californian spent 30 years in information technology, Jay. Um, and mm -hmm. it was, in fact, IT that moved me to Hawaii back in the 80s. And after spending a decade on Oahu, uh, I did relocate back to Arizona for a while. And then I finally decided to pivot and change course. I uh, got my Hawaii real estate license and moved to Maui 15 years ago and began a career in the real estate industry, which I am still in on a part-time basis. But uh, in 2012, I formed my company, which is Perfectly Clear. And Perfectly Clear is a service provider. The product that we provide and use exclusively is EnduraShield. Um, every perfectly clear staff member is an EnduraShield professional certified applicator and restoration specialist. So my company has been in business for near seven years, a little over actually. Um, and our primary um, source of business has been the restoration of stained, etched, damaged glass. Example, showers, shower screens, uh, view windows, actually anything that's made of glass. We have the uh, capability of restoring it back to new condition and then applying the EnduraShield coating to protect it from any future staining, okay? So that's basically what we've been doing for most of the last seven years. Um, we have locations here in Hawaii and also in Arizona currently. Um, and we have recently expanded that a little in our reach into the California market as well. So that gives you an idea what we do. The solar industry has become pinnacle in our focus. 
because of the opportunity and the mere fact that really there's no one out there that's providing this type of service um, uh, in this market, which is something that we want to be a whole part of. Okay, so talk a little bit about EnduraShield. It's an Australian company. Uh, product is manufactured exclusively in Australia. Uh, came to market in 2005, and it's been in North America uh, since 2008. And to give you an idea, an idea of scope, uh, EnduraShield has been used, or it is being used, to apply to the surface of glass shower enclosures in North America at a rate of approximately 10,000 showers per month right now. Um, so it's, it's ma mainly done by the glass and shower manufacturers, the temperers and the rest of them. Uh, and then there are those people like me, perfectly clear, who is the in-field applicator for the same product and with the same results and warranties, et cetera. Um, so, Gary, I'm going so to jump in for a moment, if ahead. you don't mind. So, okay, we got a sense of Enduro Shield, and I, I suspect there's some IP behind that that, that, that makes it kind of uh, this the protected market that can go after this, and then you're, you're out here doing it in the, in the field or in, the, in certain regions. Um, when, how, what, what do you see... Uh, this, uh, how do you see it working in the solar industry specifically? And more importantly, I, I kind of want to know, did you see the solar industry being an application of this back in 2000 and, did you say 2012 you started the company? I did. Um, it's funny because the company, um, EnduraShield, was not focused on the solar market, but has since come around to realizing that this is a huge opportunity and it's now seen on the EnduraShield.com website, mm -hmm. as well as my own. Um, and so they are pursuing it wholeheartedly. Uh, it is currently not a product that is being applied at the factory as it would be, for example, the shower screen. Right. But I see that is changing in the not-too-distant future as some of these manufacturers of the PV panels get hold of the idea that they can... Uh, add an enhancement to their panels, maybe give them a leg up in the industry. Um, and for the reasons that EnduraShield does what well, it does, the, the anti-soiling capability. The, the thing that's interesting about it, Gary, is that when you start to look, you know, panel manufacturing has, it's an extremely competitive business. Uh, the, there's these, you know, a couple of different tech, I mean, there's a handful of different technical tracks for sure in terms of, the, you know, increase efficiencies, increase longevity, but they're all shooting for a similar goal. I mean, it comes down to kilowatt hours, right? So um, right. if, it, you know, and I'm sure they're all working on every little angle. We've had tooling manufacturers on, we've had all a whole bunch of different PV guys on talking about, you know, half cut cells, which is like when they have a, you know, the cell is, is cut in half, so it reduces resistance, you get more energy. Or someone that, you know, is making a bigger cell, so you remove the, you reduce the back sheet, you know, get more energy, or you go from poly to mono, or you go from, uh, you know, uh, all these different th bifacials, one of our favorite topics, right? So you get all these right. different things happening. Now there's this um, this potential coating, right? And what I what I what I find interesting about it is if if it if it's protected in such because all these guys are working on that stuff, right? So you may have a real great opportunity if it's protected by the, by international patent laws to be able to go in there, create a partnership. These guys, you know, from what my in my view, these guys are all looking for that extra edge at, at all costs, you know? So that could be a right, wonderful right. opportunity at the manufacturing level. I mean, that just seems pretty clear to and me. And I see that. Um, I see that as an opportunity, huge opportunity for the manufacturer, EnduraShield. Um, and when it comes to market uh, via one of the manufacturers or more than one, um, that will even do something for my business. Granted, it takes away a business opportunity for me because if someone's buying a coded panel, then it's not my market. Well, let's talk but about... it will let, do let's, a let, lot for me. Yeah, let's talk about what it does. Okay, uh, Brian gives kind of, okay. is like, hey, what does this stuff do? So <laughs> Okay, so Endurance Shield, uh, anti-soiling coating, it acts as a permanent shield. It seals the porosity of the glass, allowing the contaminants, which are still going to happen, to reside on top of an easy-to-clean protective coating. Okay, this stuff once applied, is only two molecules thick. So you couldn't even see it with a microscope, but it completely adheres to the glass surface 
and provides protection that is both hydrophobic and oleophobic. So in layman's terms, water repellent and oil-based repellent, repellent for all staining. It also allows UV light to pass through it with no interference, so it ensures maximum performance of the panels is always being maintained. So bottom line is it keeps the panel cleaner longer and reduces the amount of maintenance necessary to keep the panel clean thereby. And when you do clean it, it is much easier to clean. It eliminates the need for harsh and toxic chemical cleaners and minimizes water usage at the same time. So there's a lot of opportunity in that. Um, and then, of course, when we're talking about any time we interact with a panel, then there's a conversation about warranties. I mean, are we in a position where we can, you know, coat this on a panel and know, <clears throat> know that it's not going to have any impact on the manufacturer's warranties? So here's how we have to, at this point at least, and until we're adopted by one of the manufacturers, not that we haven't put some energy as a company into getting these guys to give us a a legal blessing hmm. to use our product, but if you would instead consider EnduraShield coating as a PV maintenance item long-term. Hmm. They don't regulate or dictate what soap you use to clean your panel, gotcha. and, and, and frankly, once the coating is applied, let's say that something were to go wrong with a given panel, as happens, they could take that panel and send it back to the manufacturer and examine it even with a microscope and not know that it has an EnduraShield coating on it. It does not interfere with not only the transparency, but any of the electronics involved in the operation of the panel. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, well... So as a long-term cleaning product solution, it, it literally uh, is could be considered as no different than the choice of soap that you use. An interesting way to look at it. So here's here's a thing that I see here, and, and Jay and Brian jump in at any time. But when I'm what, 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 when we think about solar panels, and let's say you're a homeowner and you've got a system, and I know retrofit isn't necessarily your ideal business. Uh, maybe it's more right. working with installers, you know, pre-installation for some obvious reasons and some not so obvious reasons, you know. But the uh, you know the the what when we let's say it, it comes down to the value proposition that a a, a client, a homeowner, a solar system owner would be able to determine and then say, yeah, that makes sense for me. So in my, it, what I'm hearing here, and as a, you know, a person that's, you know, that maybe could be like a, a client a, a example, uh, is that A, you don't have to wash it as much because there's not going to be as much soil accretion, right? That's actually a right. really, it's a highly relevant thing. And, and for, for uh, the design folks out there that are in the, we know that there is literally a field in the design of the system for a percentage called soil duration. And that'll, uh, that's, a, that's a metric that we use for predicting the uh, overall energy production of the system over time. And usually that's about 2% of production, anywhere between, I mean, that's the last time I saw it anyway, who knows what it is now, nowadays. But uh, the bottom line is that you could, if you can mitigate that, that's a straight savings, that's more energy produced, There's that, that's fantastic, right? And then of course you have the issue of getting someone on your roof. You know, if, I don't know if you've tried this, there's a couple guys out there cleaning solar panels. First of all, you should never get on your roof, clean your own solar panels, dangerous. Roofs are dangerous, <laughs> right? But uh, if when you're trying to get someone out there to do it, it's not always easy. And I've had clients and friends yeah. trying to get people out there. It's a tough thing to uh, to to contract. There are people we'll, we can recommend some of them. Um, but the bottom line is, if you can keep someone off your roof, you know, roofs things happen on roofs. Uh, there's other ways of saying that. But the uh, it's nice right. to not right. have people on your roof as as often as possible, and that's uh, to not have them on a roof. And it, it seems <laughs> so. Let me let, let me address the the question of retrofit versus installation sure. time, um, because it's a big one. First, let me just say, for the record, we will do retrofit. Okay. However, here's a big but. We would prefer not to. And the reasons are, number one, once the panels have been installed, not only are they 10 to 20 feet in the air causing danger, but more importantly, they become contaminated starting uh, day one. I see. Now, when I'm working on a shower restoration, I have tools to allow me to restore the surface of the glass back to new. Mm. I cannot use those tools on a solar panel. Mm. So, and it's because of the electronics immediately behind the glass. So for that reason, 
if I am to go to a retrofit application, I will do it, but it's going to mean that the owner of the solar is going to pay a professional panel cleaner to come in and do his best job to remove as much of the contamination as possible, and then I'm going to seal it as is. That's number one. So number two, um, it will increase the cost. We've already discussed hazards, but that increases the cost of not only the application, but the material, because once it's out in the air, our product is delivered in a liquid form, but it's in an alcohol float. So when you're outdoors, not only do you have to be in a shaded, cool environment, preferably, um, but the evaporation is almost immediate if you're in the sun. We won't apply the product if you're out in the sun. Hmm. So it literally doubles or triples the amount of product needed to do the job. And it reduces the 10-year warranty that we provide for all new glass applications down to five. Okay, so you're maybe so, you're a, maybe you're a nocturnal uh, installation company. Let's. Uh, I think Brian. Get out of my head. <laughs> I think Brian has something right? he wants to ask. Yeah, well, I was I was going to say it's a good thing all the solar panels are on the shade. That just makes it easier <laughs> right, to, uh, exactly. to do. Right. Well, and so, now there is one. There is one other large reason that we want to stay away from retrofit as much as possible. Again, we'll do it, but it has to be done and understood that there are certain qualifications. Mm-hmm. The biggie to me is the cost of the application of the, of the coating. Sure. If you do it day one with the project, the cost can be included with the project, initial cost, yeah. qualify for the long-term financing or whatever the deal is that's yeah. made, Probably as well the as the credits. tax advantages, yeah. which would not apply to a retrofit application. Oh, yeah, big difference, mm-hmm. big difference. So it seems pretty apparent that, you know, you want to do it at the get-go, uh, and then you... Yeah kind of answered a question that you said 10-year warranty my question was how durable is it and and okay so it does uh, it does come when applied to new glass with a 10-year warranty and even at the 10-year point as certified by tuv what's her name rhineland uh, reinhard Reinhardt. right yeah um there is no degradation mm-hmm. of the coating at the 10-year point but the warranty period is 10 years, so it will be it will last 10 years and beyond. Uh, if something were to happen to the coating, and when I say that, I mean someone were to foolishly and accidentally uh, go out there with an abrasive, which can damage the substrate, then I can come out and fix it. So that's the good news. The bad news, good news is it can be repaired. You can. You can reapply it to an area that's been damaged. But assuming that no one does anything foolish and just uses the normal cleaning, which is standard soap, it does not require any special cleaning products, and it is a one-time application that never needs uh, revitalization. You don't have to come back out and basically reapply it as some of the products in our field require. Gotcha. Hey, uh, Gary, I want to jump. We've got a few minutes left. And before we get, we, we do wrap up, I want to um, ask you a, a little bit about the numbers here because I, th- I find that really okay. interesting. Let's, let's, let's assume it's not retrofit. I think we can put that off the table okay. or off the roof for the moment momentarily. And then if we look at, um, let's say it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's a slight bump in cost uh, at the pre-install level, right? You're buying the system. And then uh, let's say it's a solar salesman sitting down and saying, hey, we can put on perfectly clear um, on our on the solar system or not, right? What do you think that looks right. like? Um, what I, I have a sense because we talked and I tried to I threw some darts at a wall trying to guess on costs and and I can right, apply right. the tax credits and such. But how, what do you think that value proposition looks like? Do you are you able to speak to financial points? Uh, do you have a sense of yeah. ROI? Yeah, let me. Um, first of all, the product itself is charged strictly by the square foot. The more square feet there are the lower the price point on the product in duration, okay? Uh, every installation, even the smallest, the application of EnduraShield, including a small amount of labor time, is going to be under $100 per panel. It ranges normally from about $60 to $80 a panel completely installed when it's, again, brand new. But it can be under $50 on a larger scale project. So you're usually looking at 60 to $80, let's call it $75 per panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you had a 10-panel um, uh, 
application or installation that's 750 bucks uh, that you're adding. Your return on investment is difficult to qualify, but when you consider the maintenance savings, because it should cut your maintenance requires about in half, number one. Uh, the increased production of electricity, which can be up to 30% loss with dirty panels. Uh, it also eliminates, as I said, scrubbing with chemicals and it uses less water. So all of that needs to be taken into account. But the, the two major factors are the maintenance savings. So you're not going to spend $500 to have somebody come out uh, make their visit and do their cleaning twice a year. Maybe it's now once a year. Or if you were a bigger in a, a bigger install in in a dirtier, dustier area where it was four times a year, it's only now twice a year. I got to tell so you, you're Gary, literally eliminated. That's that's those are some great points, and I think we should talk more and try to map that out a bit because I think I could help a little bit in in showing that you know in terms of real world cleaning schedules, in terms of what should be happening, in terms of percentage uh, uh, energy typically lost. Uh, I've seen some really interesting stories, and I'd love to maybe even do a little experiment after hours. What do you th say, Jay? You want to code code a panel and put it side by side and play with it and see what we can do with this thing yeah absolutely okay absolutely. so gary i hope you'll take us up on that offer uh it's been really great absolutely. to get to to know you and to understand more about your product line and we'll certainly be talking uh, more in the future how can people reach out yeah. to you and uh and how do they get in touch with you if they're interested okay so the website uh cleverly named is perfectly clear dot glass um, so you can go to the website, the phone number's there, the contact information, or you can call me directly, 808-280-9422. Very good. There you go. That's Gary Dolberg of Perfectly Clear. Uh, I would reach out to him and get a better sense of what he's what he's doing here, and we'll definitely do some fun after-hour stuff with that Enduro Shield panel. Enduro Shield Perfectly Clear panel. Can't wait. Thank you so much for your time today, Gary. Josh, Jay, Brian, thank you so much. All right. See aloha. You. Have a Appreciate great day. It. There you go. Our first panel coding conversation. Very good. It's it's, it's interesting too because I would want to see sort of uh, uh, you get an idea of how after damp and dew comes how much soil accumulates on a panel over a certain amount oh, of time. Yeah. It's fascinating. Like in other words, show me sort of a visual over time yeah. because because well, I know that happens two panels. You know. Yeah. We and gotta then, set it up. Yeah, and then and then and then do the math on you know. Uh, the oh. decreased efficiency. Why does this type of stuff excite me? It really is a little too geeky, I think. I'm like so well, and, and it comes down to a finance thing, you know? Yeah. It's just simple. Like, does you it pay for itself? Yeah. yeah. Is, is the ROI going to pay for well, itself? Well, just just on Jay, I mean, I jump at any time here. We, we're going to want to jump over to do some finance momentarily. But Jay, was that kind of cool? It was kind of cool because you thought about 10 panels, 750 bucks out of pocket. It's kind of unique. Um, Two-thirds knocked I off with tax credits. Very much Right. Yeah, that, right. that that was not something that I had thought of before he mentioned it. Um, I, I would like to see a manufacturer. My, my mind goes to do the panel manufacturers actually do anything to their glass or does it literally just get shipped? And I don't I don't I've never heard anybody touting panel coatings before. Well, there's from, a couple the things to consider. I can think right out of the gate. First of all, you've got dimpled coatings now dealing with refraction. Uh, it's only there, two molecules, that, yeah. but it's only, t uh, Gary said it was only two molecules thick, which shouldn't make any difference. So, I mean, there, there's, we got to get, you know who we got to get on? We got to ask, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Andre, the uh, tooling, Andre Richter, uh, yeah, Andre yeah. Richter of, uh, of what was it, what's his company again? I can't remember his name. Meyer Burger. Meyer Burger. He's, he does tooling manufacturing, especially for all kinds of different panels. <laughs> Knows everything about panels. Like he's, every yeah, yeah, sentence, you would, you would know that. <laughs> every <laughs> sentence that I try to say with him, I try to recap and he goes, uh, is that right? And he goes like, no, Josh, that's wrong. <laughs> Let me tell you again. <laughs> so, remember that? Jay loved that guy. And, and, yeah, glass, I mean, yep. glass, like I know glass a little bit, but like if you want to treat car glass, hydrofluoric acid uh, gets it so the water sheets really clean off of it. Oh, okay. And it makes a dramatic difference, you know? Right, because you've so, got your Prius operation going on, right? Well, I have a couple of Priuses, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's far from an operation. <laughs> but but also like, you know, cerium oxide can polish glass, right? There you go. So, so th when you talked about the porosity of glass, mm. I mean, if if you're not a glass geek, and I don't know if I am or not, but I know a little bit more about glass, mm. but it's like glass does have a porosity to it. So if you can fill those holes, it will sheet the water off better and therefore hopefully not accumulate dirt as much and therefore make the panel more efficient. Yes. Uh, we're going to talk some PV guys about this at SPI, I'm sure. Okay, let's take a little time. Uh, we neglect to do our financing section in the beginning of the show, but we have some time now to do it. So, Brian, I'm all ears. Uh, we're excited to hear from you. Thank you for coming on. It's your third time? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's uh it's a pleasure. It's good stuff. Yeah. And and so um, 
when I first started, Josh had me on, we talked about what ETFs were, and it stands for Exchange Traded Fund. And it's, think of a mutual fund that trades on the stock exchange. Way lower cost, way more tax efficient, trillions flowing into them. And, and I realized the value in, in mid-90s, and I got in the business in 1998, and they were apparent then. And so one specific example we talked about was ticker symbol TAN, which TAN is the solar ETF. And so Josh had the timely uh, uh, fortune of bringing me in. And that, that ETF, and this is a report that came out in August, but that was the number one ETF of all the ETFs in all the sectors of anything in the, in the market. So that was pretty – it was up – uh, 60% year-to-date. It's since pulled back. Last show I was on, we talked about another renewable energy ETF, PBW, Paul Bravo Walter. Mm-hmm. And that's a renewable energy, so it's got some wind in it and stuff. And so that's another way to put some money to work because as something that's up 60%, you've got to manage risk, you know, and, and that's a the solar growth is is unequivocally going and, and solar efficiency is, is continuing to come down. And solar... Uh, prices have fallen 70% since 2010. Mm. So, so that's, and the deployments are picking up and different reasons and such like that. So, so the TAN ETF, it's not a recommendation and you do want to manage risk around it, but solar can continue, but that ETF may have some challenges as investors start to harvest profits or so. But if you look at some other PBW, it has some wind in it. And, and, and again, not a recommendation, but look at a chart of the two. And it's, you'll so it's really, thank you for that. So it's really interesting to think that we started talking about this and we were trying to get our head around, you know, what's going on with, um, with the, just participating in, in stocks, in renewable energy. So that was kind of our initial yeah. mindset. And then you came out and you started, you introduced the concept of ETFs, you introduced the particular one, Tan, you said, this is an example of one. Uh, after that first couple of shows, a couple of people came up to me and said, can you say it again? Can you give me a sense of there's clearly some hunger out there to understand this. And then, you know, from our perspective as being in the industry, you know, Jay and I constantly watch these things. And yeah, you got these mergers and acquisitions, but you also have companies that are tanking and really hard to pick a winner in the renewable energy industry. So if you can get a basket like this, it seems like it makes a lot of sense. 100%. 100%. And you look at Enphase, which was up huge. Yeah. Well, that stock has pulled back dramatically, too, in the last uh, couple of weeks or so. So it's these are squirrely animals, some of these companies, you know. But then PBW, for example, has has... Uh, terraform power just just one you know it has 37 holdings in that etf that's one of the holdings 37 different companies yeah exactly and in in that one etf so it's like rather than trying to pick the winner which is difficult to do and spread the money out and have all the commissions and trading costs or whatever to buy it you can own that basket and so terraform power uh three and a half billion dollar company pays 4.83 percent dividend uh power solar uh i'm sorry solar and wind power generation um Next year's earnings are target to grow at 476%. So, I mean, it's priced a little rich, but uh, rather than take all the example and risk on that one, you can spread it out among several. So when and you make these, are, how many of these different ETFs in renewables are you seeing? Are there half a dozen, a dozen, three? I mean, Oh, uh, there's, I would say 10 or so. You know, okay. and, but this, these are some of the bigger ones, you know. Right. And, and some are doing better than others, obviously. Absolutely. Right? So this, this TAN and this PBW or two, your picks out of those. Yeah. Or? And, and it's part of the ESG investing, environmental social governance, which is putting your money to work in things you believe in. Very good, very good. Uh, well, I learned a little bit more. We're going to keep that uh, keep that on the solar coaster, hopefully moving forward. Continue to learn about uh, finance, renewable energies, ETFs. Uh, that is exciting stuff. So, uh, Jay, this has been a heck of a show here, learning about coatings with uh, Gary Dolberg. Uh, this is the Solar Coaster, folks. We are sponsored by LG Chem, Pantech Design, and Sundrum Solar. I really appreciate everyone's ears today. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday. Thanks for coming. Aloha.